Uh, we said that this year, last week, when I was doing the introduction to our areas of focus, I said that uh, there were three specific areas that we're going to focus on as we feel led by the Spirit of God. And those three areas are what? Number one, grace. grace. Number two, growth. growth. And number three, all right, look at your neighbor who didn't say anything. Not those who are here for the first time, but they didn't say, say, say who, eh, who, eh, who, eh. Okay, let's do it again. Let's, what's number one? Grace. Yes. Growth. Yes. And gratitude. Of course, we won't be able to uh, cover those topics in one session. We will be revisiting different sides of those truths throughout this year. But we're thankful this year to be celebrating 40 years as a church. Amen. My goodness, it's been a long journey, but a very interesting journey, and we're very grateful. And so our two major texts for today is John 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. If you can open that with me, please, we're going to read it together. John 1, verse 17, and I'm reading the King James Version. It reads as follows, and today we're talking about the grace of God, all right? So we won't be able to cover all the ease on the teaching so we'll just give you uh, just a bit of it, and we'll cover more of it in the coming weeks. John 1, 17. Let's read together. One, two, three. For the law... Mm-hmm. Let's read it again like we believe it and we are convinced of it. Let's read it again. It says... Yeah. For the law was given by Moses. Note when it comes to the law, the law, when God gave it to the children of Israel, he sent somebody, right? He sent Moses. So God, in giving the law, he was distant. He was far. He gave it by Moses. There's God over here, Moses over there, the one giving the law, the do's and the don'ts. Of course, you know that there were many laws that were given and you can summarize them into the Ten Commandments. But the law was given, and these were the requirements, the do's and don'ts, that people could not be able to fulfill even. No matter how much they tried, they always failed. But then, you note something different. It says, but what? Grace and truth did what? Oh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Say it again. But? Did what? So note, the law is given, this is distant, but grace and truth comes, right? The law is impersonal, is distant. Grace comes in the person of Jesus Christ. And note, it's not just grace, it's grace and truth, right? So the grace of God is on the side of truth, or truth works hand in hand with grace. Now note the difference. With the law, you were told what to do. And if you failed at it, penalty came. There was no one there to help you fulfill what was required. No one was there to assist you in doing what God had required. This God who was far, who was distant, who gave the law from a distance through Moses. If you didn't fulfill what he said, punishment came your way. This time around, God changes things. He said, I will come. I will, I will come in the person of Jesus Christ. It will be God in the flesh and I will come closer. I'll come and I will present grace and truth. In other words, 
I will, I will give grace and I'll help them by my grace to be able to live out the truth. So I'll help them to live in a manner that I want and I'll empower them and make it possible for them to do what I've called them to do. So grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so Ephesians 2.8, when Paul writes about it, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So let's define that word grace. As I've said in the past, it's very helpful when you see any word like that in the Bible, try and look at many different scriptures where it's used, the context in which it's used, the historical background, and all of that, then you'll get a better understanding of what that word means. Because that God uses certain words, he's trying to convey certain truths to us. So how do we define grace? Or how does the Bible define grace? Number one, grace is that which is freely bestowed with no expectation of return. That which is freely bestowed with no expectation of return. So God bestows grace on you. He puts grace on your life. He lavishes grace on your life. And he doesn't expect you to say thank you. Right? He doesn't expect you to pay him back, right? Many years ago, I don't know how many of you know the late uh, uh, Father Sibidi, who used to attend our church at a point. And uh, he says one day he was preparing a sermon to preach on the grace of God. And you know, you know as we do, you know, as preachers, you know, you go through all your, your material, your, your concordances and your extra biblical material and... Bible dictionaries and you are trying to come up with a, with a very heavy, weighty definition. You know, you go through Greek and Hebrew and he says, I was struggling, you know, to write what grace meant. And for a while I left my study to go do something and his wife came into the study, saw what he was doing and she just decided to just write across the page, Mahala. <laughs> That's what grace is. Mahala. You know, in other words, God bestows things on us with no expectation of return. Kimahala. Number two, grace means the act which finds its only motive in the good heartedness of the giver. The act which finds its only motive in the good heartedness of the giver. God gives, does things for you. Why? Because. Any other reason? No, because. Because. So he, he just loves you because. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where yeah, there's this person that you really like. And he didn't say you're in love with them. I just said you like them. And you really, you really, you really like them, right? And, and you're really trying to get their attention. Nah. I can see some of you already are starting to look guilty. <laughs> and, and no matter what you do, they just never give you attention. And you are trying to get commendation from them. No matter what you do, they never say anything. But there's this other person. Oh, come on, church people. Let's talk now. There's this other person that this guy really likes. Or this person really likes. And even if those people don't give them attention, they go and give them attention. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? And then you realize, no matter how hard I work, I just never get anything good from this person. 
You know why? Because grace and favor is not fair. All right. So the, the only reason God gives us grace is based on his good heartedness. He does what he does because. Not because we deserve it. Not because we're better than anybody. He doesn't enjoy. He does it because. So grace is that act which finds its only motive in the good heartedness of the giver. Number three, grace, I like this one, is the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God bestowed upon sinful men. The undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God bestowed upon us as sinful people. You know, there's no way in our own strength we could ever fulfill all the righteous requirements of a holy God. As a matter of fact, if you study the Old Testament properly, and if you study the writings of Paul, you'll note that God gave them the law to try and drive them to a point of desperation where they would get to a point where they say, there's no way you can keep the law. Can you help us, God? And God says, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I want to forgive you in spite of. I want to show you mercy even if you don't deserve it. Yeah, because if you think about it, there were almost more than 300 and something laws. You could summarize them into just the Ten Commandments, right? And God says, you keep all of this. And then he further said, if you break one law, even if you've kept the nine, if you just break one, you become guilty not of the one you've broke, but you've become guilty of all the ten and of all the three hundred. So I mean, to drive you into a point of desperation. And us being people who are hardwired to do wrong. How many of you know we are born in sin, eh? Yeah. eh? Have you ever been with a toddler or a, or a, 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 yeah, just the toddlers and they are in the in the lounge or in the kitchen with next sitting next to a, a pot of sugar? Right? And you say to them, Nana, don't touch. In fact, by, by you saying don't, you've already ignited the sinful nature. Anybody knows what I'm If you say, Nana, don't, Nana, don't, Nana, don't, don't touch. The minute you leave the room, it's Nana and the sugar. Because Nana can't just help it. There's a, there's a default mechanism within us as human beings that makes us do wrong. And God says, well, I will, I will give them all these laws to keep. And they will do their best to keep the laws. And if they break one, they become guilty of the rest. And then Jesus comes and starts talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were doing their best to keep the law, even boasting about it. Telling everybody, we are fasting, we pray three times a day, we're giving tithes, we are good. And Jesus said, okay, I see you say that. You've heard when it was said by Moses, thou shalt not murder, yeah? They say, yeah, we don't murder anybody. He says, ah, ah, wait. If you are angry with your brother in your heart without cause, you are like a murderer. So, so Jesus just takes this another notch up, you know. He says, you've heard that you mustn't commit adultery. If you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already done the deed. And then in desperation, they say, but who else, who else, who can be able to fulfill the righteous requirements of a holy God? And Jesus says that that's why you need grace. Undeserved unearned, unmerited favor of God that's given to us as sinful men, but very interesting when that grace comes into our lives and begins to work in our lives, it empowers us to do what is right. 
You know, I've, I've always found this to be kind of like a, a contradiction. It always reminds me, you know, when I was in my schooling days, you know, Minister Ronald Lekoskolong, I don't know what era you went in. I think you were slightly behind us. But Ronald, we went in the era more, we used to have, uh, they used to do Libitang, uh, 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 they used to punish us, they used to beat us up. Uh, corporal punishment, it was allowed, you know, and it was a real problem. And I noticed something. In the class of the teacher who used to beat us up, I used to perform very badly in the subject matter. Anybody knows? But in the class taught by a teacher who was chilled, as you young people say, I was doing well. So it's almost like wherever there's law and harshness, it ignites the badness and the faults in us. But wherever there is, there is grace and love, it's at the best of us. And God comes with grace and mercy. And he loves us. Can I hear a good amen? amen. So therefore, grace number one is undeserved. Because we as human beings, we deserve the wrath of God. You find that in Romans chapter 9. Number two, grace therefore is unearned because we can never earn God's grace through our works. All our works, all our deeds can never end the grace of God. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't live right. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do right. But what it means is that it is not our work that will get us into heaven. But once we have been changed by the grace of God, we start doing what is right. Thirdly, grace is unmerited because nothing in us deserves grace. Grace looked at us in our sinfulness. John says, whilst we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. When Jesus died on the cross, there was no guarantee that we will receive what he has done on the cross. For that reason, I believe strongly we need a divine revelation to understand the grace of God. In fact, when you read the Bible broadly, you'll note that grace has certain effects. When the grace of God is upon people or upon a country or upon a company or upon a family, there are certain things that you can readily observe. So let's go through that. What are the effects of grace upon? I pray grace upon your life. What are the effects? Number one, the grace that's upon our lives can be seen. Now I'll explain that. Turn with me to Acts chapter 11 from verse 19. I'll go all the way through to verse 24. I want to read something to you. This is a time when the church was being persecuted. Paul, of course, had, had an encounter with God, but the church was being persecuted. And people were scattered all over the place, going everywhere preaching the gospel. Now note verse 19. Acts chapter 11. I'm reading the New King James Version. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. Now note verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed 
and turned to the Lord. Which means, as these people went preaching, people turned to the Lord. Now, please let me say this. Never take it for granted when you see the work of God advancing. Never. Never take it for granted when you see the work of God being known by people or when we can evidence the work of God among us. So they went on, they preached, people were turning to the Lord, many people believed. Now note verse 22. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Note verse 23. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. So in other words, when Barnabas came and saw how people had been impacted, he says, this is nothing else but the grace of God. It takes the grace of God for us to be able to have impact in the things of God. It takes the grace of God for us to be able to succeed in what we do. Because, you know, it's not always that if you've planned something to happen, that the outcome is as the hard work that you have put into it. There are times when everything is where it should be. You've done everything you should and, you know, you know theoretically speaking, things should work. But then things don't work. Just something goes wrong. I remember <laughs> some years ago, I had a, a preacher who was talking about how he put up a, a huge plan to surprise his wife for her 50th anniversary. No, no, her 60th anniversary because on her 60th birthday, rather. Because on her 50th birthday, he forgot about it. <laughs> Askis, he forgot about it. So he said, look, I, I, I'll, I'll do payback. So he waited for her to be 60. So when she turned 60, this guy said, I went all out to plan this thing. I made sure it's secret. She doesn't, I just acted like I've forgotten like all other days. You know, so he planned this huge party at an alternative venue to be an outdoor event. He got a, hired a stretch limousine to pick the wife up, planned with her, her sisters to take her out on that particular day of her birthday, you know, for a hairdo and whatever without telling her. What, he said, I just, I, he said, I went all out. I mean, I went all out. And after all the plans, just towards the time, just before the time for the, everything to start, it rained. Yeah. I mean, it, it washed off everything that had been planned. Yeah. So, you know, so there are times when you've planned everything and theoretically things should work, but it doesn't work. But there also there are times when you hadn't planned anything. And I got lucky, Things happen. And what this verse is telling us is that when things work like that, don't just look and say, lucky. Look and say, it is the grace of God. Ah, oh, yeah, it is the grace of God. As we celebrate 40 years this year, I can say without, without, in fact, even apologizing to anybody, it's the grace of God. When we started in a classroom in Isaacson Higher Primary School after coming from Mavis Hall, 35 people in a classroom, Isaacson Higher Primary School. I was young then, 22 years old, leading a church, fresh from Bible school, and everybody in that church didn't know how church should be done. We had to teach them from ushering to counseling 
to everything. And you are there, all you are doing, you are trying to obey God. And then if 40 years later, you see it working, you can only say, it is the grace of God. And I pray the same grace upon your life as you start your company, as you start your family. I pray the same grace upon your life in all your efforts that you can stand back one day and say, I can see the grace of God. Can I hear an amen? I can see the grace of God. There's another side to this verse. That grace can be seen. Listen carefully. It suggests that there's an area in your life and in my life where God's grace is apparent and is bestowed upon us. What do I mean by that? There are areas where you succeed with less effort. Somehow that area works for you and you don't even know why. There are people who have the grace of God to get employment. I mean, they are never unemployed. And, 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 but they, and they never keep a job, but they are never unemployed. And I don't know why I'm standing here. Maybe there's someone in this place. They just never keep a job, but they're never unemployed. They don't work for long, and they don't work good, and they're not really that great. They don't, do, they don't know much. They don't work. They're not that great. Mara, they're never unemployed. Mara, when with all your ability and all your hard work, you're looking for a job for many, many years. Urusu. There are people that are just never without money. They don't steal, they don't cheat. How many of you are sitting next to one of those people? Just stand next to them and just say, I want your grace to rub on me and rub on me and rub on me and rub on me. They're just never without money. <laughs> what about the grace that people have to be artistic? Those people who haven't gone to school to study as artists, but my goodness, when they start drawing or doing anything artistic, my goodness, they're just incredible. I told you some time ago, I was talking to a young guy who helps me out. I have a car that is out of motor plan. <coughs> it's almost 200 and something on the clock. 200 and, 200 and something, 200,000 kilometers on the clock. But it still works. Don't worry. If it doesn't work, I lay hands on it. Jesus, be healed. But it still works. And I was watching this guy fixing my car. He is so good, this guy. His name is Sizu. And I sit there watching him, Sizu, and I asked him, Sizu, how did you learn to do this? Oh, it's a technical, yeah, but there's, what's the area in Pretoria called where they have it? Huh? No, not TUT, man. There's, a, there's this place uh, when you go to, pardon? There's a whole area when you're going to Harankua, you come past it. Eh? Roslyn, yeah, he went to, yeah, I'm looking for that. What is went to area? He trained there, you know, and he went in for training. And this guy's fixing Mercedes Benz's, Nohal. Serious? Yeah, he sees it. So I asked him, I said, he said, no. Then, and then when he fixed it, he says, you want my teacher, go so. Soon I'm watching this guy. And, and, and there are people who went to Germany who can't do what this young man is doing. <laughs> Forgive. What am I trying to say? Unfortunately, not too many people look around in their lives and check that area where God has graced them. 
Because wherever you are graced, you are second to none. Wherever God has graced you, you can do more. I think it was the, 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 the funeral here. Yeah, gift Remy, if I'm not wrong. And uh, we had Tebuho. Uh, he came to speak gift Remy, and he said, gift Remy was such a good soccer player. And they gave him a nick, nickname, you know. He said his nickname was so-and-so. And then he said something. I was sitting there thinking, and I thought, you know, I don't know. People in all areas, they understand this. It's only church people who don't understand these things. <laughs> he said, Wabona, Moso King, when we give you a, a nickname, the nickname suits your style of playing. He said, if you don't get a nickname, you must just know that you are not a good player. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, isn't it amazing that these guys have a grace to play soccer? You know? I mean, there are people that when they have the ball, you can see they have the grace. But I want to I mean, you, even if you are sitting there as a spectator, I could do better than the guy, man. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? No, no I'm not talking about Paris and Kaiser Chief. No, no, I'm just, I'm just not talking about. I'm just, I'm just talking. I'm just preaching, Bazadana, please. You know. But you, I've been, I've been watching uh, ever since the World Cup. I've been watching some of the clips they've done, Kala and El Messi. How does this guy think like that? When he has the ball, do you know how to pass a ball? Oh, I'm in church. I mustn't talk about soccer. Okay. Revelations chapter 3, verse 5. <laughs> but the problem with many people is that they don't do what Paul says. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he says, and his grace that was bestowed in my life was not in vain. He says, for I labored more abundantly than them all. He says, but not I, but the grace of God in me. What is Paul saying? Paul says, I looked around to see where the grace of God rests in my life. And in that area where I have grace, I labored more abundantly in that area because I know in that area I am second to none. I'm talking to somebody in the house to say you are second to none. Because it's a grace gift given, mahala, free of charge. You didn't work for it. You didn't have to labor for it. But it has been given to you. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, the grace of God is on my life. And it can be seen. So when we give you a nickname, Riru Umantwa. Or if you're a guy, Rubitsa Mufirifir. You have a grace. You have a reserve. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Number two. When the grace of God is upon you, you will grow, know this, and become strong in spirit and full of wisdom. Now, go to Luke chapter 2 with me, please. Luke chapter 2. And I'd like to show you something about our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. I hope they have it. Now, this is talking about Jesus Christ. Note what it says. It says, and the child grew, right? And became strong in spirit, number one, filled with wisdom, 
and the grace of God was upon him. All right? So the grace of God upon him causes this child to be strong in spirit and to be filled with wisdom. Now go to verse 46. I want you to look at this. Note, Jesus had been taken by his parents. They had gone over to Jerusalem to go and worship there. So Jesus got lost in inverted commas. They didn't know where he was, right? So they're, they're looking for him, the same child. It's a continuation of the same chapter, same incident. So it says, verse 46, now it was that after three days they found him. They found this child in the temple. By the way, at this time Jesus was a teenager. He was 12 years old, Okay. They find him in the temple. Now note this. Sitting in the midst of the teachers. <laughs> both listening to them and asking them questions. I mean, 12 years old. Sitting there with the teachers, asking them questions. Let's go to the next verse, all the way to verse 52. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Why are they astonished? There's just something special about this 12-year-old. Because the grace of God is upon him. Next verse, verse 48. And when they saw him, his parents, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have, we have been looking for you anxiously. Listen to his answer in verse 49. He says, why do you seek me? Did you know that I must be about my father's business? At the age of 12, he had already worked out his life's calling. At the age of 12, he already knew the purpose of his life. I mean, Bazalana, we don't even know our purpose and our calling when we are 30 or 40 sometimes. This young guy at the age of 12, he's already figured out what he wants to do with his life because of the grace of God that's upon him. Next verse, verse 50. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Keep going. Then he went down with them and I love this verse. This is a powerful verse. And he came to Nazareth. And he was subject to them. Remember, they lived in Nazareth. So he went with them back home. When he got back home, the Bible says he was subject to them. Meaning he, he, he stayed under their authority. He recognized their authority. Watch, watch. Even if he knew more than they knew. He understood the importance of respecting your father and your mother and staying under people who are your leaders because there are times when you will know more than your leader. But when you understand kingdom protocol, you don't push them out. You are still subject to your leader, but you still shine where you are supposed to shine. Can I hear a good amen? And Jesus Christ was that way. And he was... Let's go to John 1.14. I haven't given them this one. John 1.14. I hope you'll be able to find it quick for me. John 1.14. Note what it says. It says, and the word became flesh. I love it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Note, we beheld his glory as the glory of the one begotten of the father. Note, full of grace and truth. We saw him. We held him. We interacted with him. You know, sometimes when I read this verse, it's, I cannot get a picture. I like to think in pictures. 
Have you ever taken a sponge and, 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 and immersed it in water? Took the sponge out, put it there, and then you came back and tried to hold it. What happens? When you, when you, when you try to hold it, what happens? When you make contact with him, whatever it's full of comes out of it. They said, this Jesus, this word that was made flesh, when we made contact with him, what came out of him was grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. So Jesus Christ was strong in spirit, full of wisdom, because the grace of God was upon him. See, when the grace of God is upon you, you'll be strong in your spirit. You'll not be moved around by circumstances. You'll be able to live as an overcomer because the grace of God is upon you. When the grace of God is upon you, you'll be able to, to, to flow in wisdom and operate in wisdom. We know the Bible tells us, it, is, it says, it is by wisdom that a house is built. When you, when you operate in wisdom, you can be able to build things. You can be able to proceed in things. You can be able to do what others haven't done because the spirit of wisdom is upon you. And that's all because of the grace of God upon your life. Number three, when grace is upon you, even in times of lack, you will still be sowing. Even in times of lack, you will still be sowing. Let me give you the scriptures. I don't want to read all of them. I'll explain them to you. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 5. Put it side by side with 2 Corinthians 9, 8. This is what Paul was saying to the Christians in Corinth. He was commending them for their generosity. Saying that they gave even to the people who were lacking. Whilst they themselves were in lack. Right? And he said, and because of your generosity, and because of giving, even when you didn't have, in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he says, my God will make all grace abound towards you. <laughs> so that in all situations and in all circumstances, you will have abundance to respond to the situation. So this is what we learn. When the grace of God is upon you, the grace of God will carry you through every season. It says there, God will make his grace abound towards you that in all situations, in all circumstances, you may be able to have abundance. Which means this, as you walk through the journey of life, the grace of God will carry you. Sometimes here you are, you are not employed. You haven't worked for a while. You've been looking for a job. You're doing your best. You have bills to pay. You have a bond to cover. You have a account to pay. You have children to feed. And somehow you are still there. You are still around and you've been able to pay all those things. When you look back, there's nothing about your current situation that should say you should be able to afford those things. Mother, you are affording those things and you don't understand why. And I want to tell you today, the reason you're able to do it is because the grace of God is upon you. And when the grace of God is upon you, God is able to carry you so that when you look back, you don't know how you got there. But I'm here to tell somebody, it's the grace of God that took you day in and day out and day in and day out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because in life, we go through those times. Yeah. Where all the opportunities are closed. And you go through rough periods and, and rough moments. 
You know, as a pastor, having had to lead people in the church, you know, there's times when someone passes in the family who was the pillar of the family. And because of knowing the family, as I'm officiating, inwardly I'm saying to myself, what's going to happen in this house? What's going to happen in this house? And of course, we try to give support the best way we can. And, and, and next thing, six months later, the family is still surviving. One year later, the family is surviving. Two years later, the family is surviving. Three years later, the family is surviving. And, 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 when, and when you talk to them, by but somehow God has been able to carry us because the grace of God is able to carry us even when we cannot carry ourselves. Can I hear a good amen? The grace of God is able to carry us. And somehow God in his grace raises somebody in the family. That one, that was a problematic child. That one who was an irresponsible child. All of a sudden in this new season, they're the ones who are carrying the family. Am I talking to somebody here? It's the grace of God. And Paul says when that grace is upon you, in all situations you'll be able to abound. You'll be able to respond to whatever situation is in front of you. Not because you are so smart and so clever. But it's all because of the grace of God. Yeah. Oh, that's why we must lean heavily on the grace of God. I'm telling you. Number four. When the grace of God is upon you, you will experience a manifestation of the power of God. I'll talk about that some other time. But just write it down for now. In Acts 4.33, is they saw people being saved, the church growing, People's lives being transformed. The Bible says, and the grace of God was upon them. In fact, uh, in the next one that I'm going to do, there's different degrees of grace. Different degrees of grace. So we'll, we'll talk about that next time. But let me close with this one, number five. I love this one. When grace is upon you, <laughs> you'll receive a revelation of who God is. at different seasons of your life. And as a, as a result, you will rest in God's ability to carry you through. As a result of the grace of God upon you, you'll receive a revelation of who God is. And you'll enter into God's rest as you experience who God is through the different seasons of your life. Now, in Exodus 33, we read a very interesting story there, if you can have it up on the screen, from verse 12. Moses is, is at a time of leadership crisis because, you know, all of us, <laughs> we go through crisis. And, and he, he, he's in a situation where he's trying to lead God's people into what God has promised. And things are not working for him. And even worse, God hasn't even told him who's going to lead with him. So he kind of goes to God. You know those prayers that are not prayers that are really a, a complaint? Anybody has ever prayed that kind of prayer? You know, it's, you, you pray, but it's not really a prayer, it's a complaint. He's gungling. And so Moses says to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up these people. Mara, you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You've even said you know me by name. 
And you've even said, I have found grace in your sight. Verse 13. So I, I pray thee, I, I'm petitioning you, I'm asking you. If I have found grace, he's not sure. Are you say you have found grace, Mara? If one need. Hey, some of the people are courageous. You can't talk to God like that. Because I mean, things are bad for the guy. You know? His things are bad for the guy. He says, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way. Show me your way. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what I'm doing. Show me your way that I may know that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. He says, God, you better do it because these people, they're not my people, by the way. <laughs> I tell you. Hey, Moses. Hi. Hey. Next verse. Listen to God's response. And God says to him, Oh, Mufa, just one sentence. My presence will go with you. And I'll give you rest. In other words, a sign that my grace is on you, Moses, is that my presence will go with you. And instead of being anxious and forward to, you'll be at rest. As you, as you journey, in your journey of destiny, as you go through different seasons and different times, You'll do so from a space of rest. Even when things are hard, you'll be at rest. Even when you don't understand, you'll be at rest. And the reason you'll be at rest is because my presence will go with you. So when my presence goes with you, you know who taught them how. When you read this in English, it doesn't bring it out nicely. It's until you read it in the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew language, it, it, it reads as follows. God said to him, my faces will go. My faces? My faces will go. And, 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 and as my faces go with you, I'll give you rest. I was reading this. Now, what do you mean, God? And then this is what you find out. God is saying, you see Moses, there's different sides to me. You, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I am capable of. You don't know the capacity that I have. And the only way for you to discover who I am is as you go through different seasons in your life, then I will intervene in that season. When you go through a time of lack, I will come in and you will see that I am Jehovah Jireh. When you're going through sickness and disease, I will come in and you will see that I am Jehovah Rapha. When you're going through times of trouble, I will come in and you will see that I am Jehovah Nisi. When you're going through times and times and every time you will see another side of me and another side of me and another side of me and as you see the different sides of me you get to a point where you say I will not be afraid because God will be there saw all the different sides of God in his life and he says I was young and now I am old but I have 
have never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen them begging bread. I have seen the different sides of God. When I was in need, he came through for me. If I have a witness, can I hear an amen? God says, my faces will go with you. No, you only get to know who he is as you walk through the journey of life. You'll never know who God is. You will never know that he can provide if you don't go through luck. You will never know that he is a mighty man of war if you don't go through situations. You'll only get to know who he is as you go through the journey of life. I pray the grace of God upon your life as God takes you through. He says, my faces will go with you. And I'll give you rest. You know what happens in the process of time? You get to a point when a situation arises. You don't panic anymore. You are at rest. Somebody say Ngimbonile. Somebody shout Ngimbonile. Somebody shout Ngimbonile. And God is able to carry us through all the time. Shall we stand on our feet and give the Lord a big hand of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When God was sending Moses out, Moses asked the question, as I go, who shall I say sent me? And God thought, if I try to explain to this guy who I am, it will be right into eternity whilst I'm still trying to explain. Just tell them, I am has sent me. Because whatever it is that you want me to be in any situation, that's who I am. I pray that somebody will be encouraged in this place to know that God hasn't forgotten about you. To know that God is aware of you and his faces will go. You'll see different sides of him. And whatever it is, because he's a faithful God. And he does it because. And don't allow your mistakes, your shortcomings, to tell you that God has forgotten about you. Bow your heads as you remain standing, please, as we pray. Yeah, that's the right song. Father, we thank you today as we bow our heads. We know who you are. We bless your name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I just want to pray for you. And those of you who are saying, you know, I, I really haven't given my life to Christ and live for him the way I should 
And maybe, you know, the disappointments of life and things you've gone through in life have brought you to a space wherein you, you kind of have felt you can't connect with God anymore. But today with what you've heard, you want to give your life to Christ and say, you know what? My life is safe in the hands of God. I need prayer. I need to give my life to Christ that he should change me and make me a child of God. All of us are heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you and you want to commit your life to Christ, receive him as Savior and Lord in your life, I want to pray for you. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you need the prayer, would you raise your hand, please, right where you are. Just raise it high. Let me see it. I want to pray for you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. I'd like to pray for you because this is what church is about. We are here because we want to have an encounter with God. We are here because we want God to intervene in our lives. Those of you who raised your hands, I want to pray for you. Would you please take all your belongings, your Bible, your bag, your purse, don't leave anything of yours behind. And just walk to the front, come stand in front of the stage facing me, please, right here, so that I can pray with you. The ushers will help you. Just walk out of your row. Just come to the front. We'll want to pray for you. Give them a big hand as they walk, everybody. Thank you, my God. Thank you so much.